When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to When in Romance, your, well, maybe not favorite, but a great place for you to hear about happenings and recommendations for romance novels from Book Riot. I am Jess. And I'm Trisha, and I, I'm going to assume this is your favorite place. I feel like, for our, you know, we're four or five episodes in now. If it wasn't your favorite at the beginning, I'm going to assume that it is now. Okay, we'll take that. <laughs> We've got some things to talk about today, but first we're going to um, give you our first thanks for um, sponsoring. We are indeed, um, although we, we should probably clarify first, Jess, this is the first time that we have ever recorded in the morning. Uh, we are recording on a Sunday morning, so if we seem, to be fair, it's much earlier in Jess's time zone than it is in mine, so I don't really have an excuse, but if we seem like we're, uh, where we're still maybe getting caffeinated, that is, that is probably the reason why. It is very um, true. Yeah. Oh, and we're recording early, generally, too. We're recording on the 18th of March, um, so if anything super important happens between March 18th and when this podcast hits and we don't talk about it, it's not because we're passive aggressively ignoring it. No. It's because you can just wait and we'll talk about it next time. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's um, why these are great. There's always exactly. a next time. Yeah, exactly. For your favorite romance podcast. Um, speaking of favorite romances, um, our first sponsor today is uh, Raw Power. It's by Jackie Ashenden. Um, and I actually have a really good plan for everybody about this book because it is the first book in a brand new three book romantic suspense series. So the first book, um, Raw Power, is out now. You can get it. You can go click through on the show notes, get your copy of this book. But there are two more books that are coming, and they're both coming this year. I Ooh. checked into this last night. Right. So if you are feeling like, oh, it's mid-March or maybe late March by the time you're hearing this, and uh, maybe your New Year's resolutions are not going great, this is a great time to revise your New Year's resolutions, decide that your new New Year's resolution is to read Raw Power and the other books in this series, um, because I feel like it's going to be pretty great. It's We've got ex-military uh, alpha heroes who are um, obviously very popular in the romantic suspense genre. Uh, I know that's a lot of catnip for somebody. Mm -hmm. um, we've got Scorching Heat and Sensuality. It's uh, The series is going to work well for folks who are fans of Maya Banks, Laura Lee, and Julie Ann Walker. Um, and they, we've got, you know, your usual explosive plot lines, complicated characters. And um, folks who are looking for, and this is a great combination that I love, sensual books with spice, wit, and an element of escapism, which is pretty much exactly what I'm always looking for. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so we've got the former soldiers of the 11th hour. They are unaffiliated and unacknowledged by any government. So, you oh, know, man. rebellious. We don't just have alpha heroes. We have sort of like rebel alpha heroes going on here. Mm -hmm. um, they're protecting the innocent and destroying the guilty and capturing hearts along the way, which, you know, uh, I feel like, again, this is going to be a great series. I'm very excited about it. And again, you could maybe make your uh, new New Year's resolution. Maybe your edited or adapted New Year's resolution uh, is one that you could build around the Raw Power series by Jackie Ashenden. So click through in the notes, find yourself a copy of that, um, and at the same time, make yourself feel better about your goals for 2018. Sounds great. Absolutely. Thank you, Trisha. Well, and thank you to them for sponsoring the show. Yes, thank you. So let's let's do a quick revisit of one of the big topics that we talked about last time. And if you um, subscribe to Kissing Books, you saw that the title of this week's issue was Romance WTF right now. And mm. it was a week, it wasn't apt. it? It felt, yeah, it felt apt. <laughs> um, 
And if you're not subscribed to Kissing Books, you have no excuse anymore. I put the link in the show notes and I'll do it again, but <laughs> find that time. Get yourself on it. Absolutely. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, by the time this has come out, it would be two issues ago, but still. Um, so just a quick rundown. We are going to touch on this and I'm not going to say we're never going to talk about it again, but we're going to move on with our lives. Um, as we know, just um, there was some interesting information provided about the author writing as Santino Hassel. There has still been no confirmation of who the heck that is. Um, you know, all of that information provides some pretty damning evidence of who it is, but the author writing as Santino Hassel has not done more than acknowledge that and go back into their hole. So I don't really know what's happening with that, but um, their contracts have been um, taken, well, removed and future... um, Past, sorry, past publications have been taken down and future contracts have been taken away um, by Riptide, by Dream Spinner, and by Berkeley Romance. Um, By the time this comes out, St. Martin's Press might have made an announcement about the their contract, which was for a not yet published um, three book series, I think but we haven't heard anything yet. And out of all of that came some more information about the actual running people running Riptide. And oh man. Yeah. Oh man. So they made quite a few statements, but the last one they made was that they were going to pause publication for a while, do some personnel-related soul-searching, and uh, get their stuff together. And hopefully, when they come back, they will have mm, policies that are not racist, um, people who do not do things that can be conveyed as racist, sexist, genderist, any of the ists, yeah. <laughs> and Fair. and um just all around better for queer publishing. So here's yeah. hoping. Yeah, and I think um the specific, you know, uh information that came out related to Riptide was related to both um the sexual harassment and potentially um maybe even more serious uh conduct of one person who is in an editor, I think, role there. And then as well, it became clear that as an institution, um, as Jess sort of alluded to, there was some uh, racism going on in terms of what they would and would not publish and who they would put on their covers and who they would not. And um, the individual involved in the the first part of that uh, resigned essentially immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, And probably based on what we know appropriately. Mm -hmm. Um, And... So yeah, I mean it's it's there are a lot of really great authors that are working with Riptide. It'll be hopefully whether that their home continues to be Riptide or whether it continues to be somewhere else, um, they're in a tough place right now, and so we're we're certainly uh, hopeful that something works out for those folks. Absolutely, and we know from what we've seen from statements and other things that people have done mostly on Twitter, but also in other places, we know that we, these authors are not the people that had to be held accountable. It was the publishing company themselves. And we definitely still want to continue to support the authors who have decided to leave their work with Riptide. There have been quite a few who've pulled their work that have, that either work with other publishing companies already or who have decided to pursue publishing their republishing their books in other ways. And there was a really great um, Facebook post that just kept expanding and expanding and expanding of people who were willing to help those authors out if they needed to do editing, if they needed new covers, since Riptide was... Um, the owner of those covers, um, all all kinds of things, and it was just um, 
it was pretty great. So yeah, we'll see what happens with those. And we will, of course, continue to support all of the authors, the ones who have remained with Riptide, who still have books that they want us to buy and read because they're great. Um, and those who have pulled their books and will re-release them in other ways. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that sort of is, uh, is the wrap on that, right? Absolutely. We've, uh, We've said what needs to be said there. Well, mostly you did. Um, so thank you for for being the person who has uh, tracked and recorded that very, very, very complicated story over the course of the last couple of weeks, Jess. Well done. There was so much that I discovered that I probably didn't want to, but, yeah, you know. You know, full transparency. Now we, we're learning things, and, and uh, like you pointed out, um, it seems like even when things get very weird and gross and terrible in the world of romance, there are always folks who are out there ready to be helpful and be supportive and, um, you know, figure out how to move the entire field and their colleagues who are also authors uh, help those folks move forward as well. So I think that is our silver lining, our ray of sunshine in this whole crazy garbage fire of a story. Absolutely. Um, should we talk about a, a different kind of garbage fire that's a little, little different? Oh, yeah, let's, let's talk about that one because we yeah. haven't, we haven't talked about anything related to it at all, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so I think Audible's, um, romance subscription service started maybe in the, it was oh, last November. So that was before we got, um, kicked off and it, essentially what it is, is a, um, Netflix style, um, f- all you can eat kind of buffet, uh, of audiobooks mm-hmm. that are romance if you are subscribed to audio audible romance. So the thing that I will mention before we delve too specifically into this story is that romance is, has a notoriously hard time with subscription services mm-hmm. because romance readers consume so many books mm-hmm. whether it's um listening to them on an audio service or reading them um you know one way or another it's a really big it's a problem that has come up over and over and over again we've seen um certain services i believe scribd yeah uh, is one of them had to cut a bunch of their romance titles because there was such huge uptake that they were losing money yeah they on, didn't realize um, those licenses were going to be that expensive yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. So then we ran into that problem. Um, and we've nobody has been able to figure out how to make this work in a way that works for everybody that works for the company works for the authors and works for the readers. So I think if you know all of that history, when you saw that Audible was going to give this a try, you kind of thought, Oh, maybe, I don't know. We'll see. Um, and you know, Kindle Unlimited is probably the closest that anybody has come to being able to make this work, although there's some some real questions as to whether or not that's working for authors as well. Mm-hmm. And Audible and Kindle are, um, you know, both owned by Amazon, so maybe that can work. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, it turns out it's not working. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, specifically, it's not working for the authors. Um, so at the end of February, the... Um, rates that authors, the payment rates that uh, authors were getting for their books and for the work that they were doing um, started to come out. And they were, uh, as one article that we will link to in the show notes put it, abysmally low. Um, So for example, uh, I think the rate on one of them was if a, um, let's see, I'm trying to find my thing here. So authors were getting paid um, 0.000956 cents. Uh, So less than one one thousandth of a cent, I think. Goodness. Again, it's it's a little early. It's a Sunday morning. We'll see if I can put that. Regardless, it's it's definitely not more than one one thousandth of a cent Mm -hmm. for each minute that an Audible romance subscriber spent listening to the book. So for example, if your audiobook is 10 hours long, and a subscriber listened to the whole thing, audio will pay 57 cents. Um, and this post again points out that in many cases, that 57 cents has to be split between the author who wrote the book and the narrator who recorded it. Um, so it's, I, you know, I don't know. It seems to me that that is not great. No. 
Um, I don't know. I, you know, it's there, I guess in Kindle Unlimited rates were almost five times as high in January. Um, Amazon was paying 0 0.004, um, cents for every page read by a KU subscriber. So that's what they're saying there is that, um, if you are a Kindle Unlimited author and folks are reading sort of more traditionally on an e-reader as opposed to <laughs> more traditionally on an e-reader, that's where <laughs> we are in 2018, <laughs> as opposed to listening to the audiobook, the reimbursement rate is much better. Um, but at any rate, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation. And what we're finding, I guess what, one of the other things that folks are finding is that because Audible Romance exists, um, people, people are not buying, yeah. right? So, I don't know, Jess, it's kind of a mess. What do you think? I don't, I don't know. Like, I remember uh, when, is it scribbed or is it scribed? I've never known. Um, when, oh my gosh, you just blew my mind. I had no, I'd always thought of it as scribbed, but maybe it is scribed. <laughs> I've heard both and I've never had confirmation of which it is. But I remember when they first announced that they would no, like be significantly lowering the number of romance ebooks and audiobooks available because they just didn't realize how much romance readers read. And it was that was the first time I even thought about the fact that yeah, we do. Um, yeah, because I was listening to one a day when I when I was working in a job that required me to be really bored and listen while I clicked page after page of um, quality control. So I recall this from years ago, <laughs> and I remember seeing the announcement that Audible was going to be doing something similar, and I was already wary, thinking about. Scribe's announcement way back when. Um, and I hadn't even considered the fact that, A, people would stop buying books because, hey, I can just pay fourteen ninety nine a month and get all the ones that I want, and that the actual royalties would be that low. Um, yeah. Because you'd think well, that the... Since there are so many people, they there would be more, but no, that's not how it works, apparently. Yeah, and I think um, one of the things too that folks are pointing out is, you know, if an audiobook costs X number of dollars to produce and you can't make that money back, I think increasingly we may start to see more and more authors who just don't record them, right? Who does particularly? Um, we're going to talk later on about self-publishing and indie published authors, but. Mm -hmm. If you if you can't make any money off of it, you know, because you know, if if your option is to either be a part of the unlimited audiobook program and get paid almost nothing, or not be a part of it and still not be able to sell any books because there are audio romance books available, mm -hmm. you know, why why even create an audiobook? Which is a super unfortunate thing. Just partly for people who just like audiobooks, but also for folks who um, maybe are visually impaired, and that's the access that they have to these kinds of books. Right, and um, you know there there are authors who, like, like you said, especially authors who are either with smaller publishers or who are self publishing, who are willing to spend the money to make a quality audiobook with production time and actually paying a narrator um, well because it's a lot of talking and a lot of time and they have to be good at their job. Um, so you want to actually make sure you're paying the narrator what they're worth, but then you don't get that money back because people aren't buying the book. They're listening to it in a way that only gives you a tiny portion of what's available and so you've lost and you continue to lose because you don't have that access and you can't there's there's almost no other way to distribute audiobooks like they're like you like you can um distributing your own ebooks so well at least that is you know a way that people can actually listen to them yeah and i mean i guess you know credit where it's due mm -hmm. um Audible has um, 
announced that they will give some bonus payments uh, to make up for the the low rate, um, the, the low royalty rate. Uh, and it seems as though they did. I'm looking at a, a post from the digitalreader.com that we'll link to in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, sound, it sounds like they have started to do that, but what they are hearing and seeing is that they are there are no specifics around it. Mm-hmm. So one author got $25 and nobody knew what that bonus was for. Another author got a $140 bonus. But again, people are really confused about um, what, like someone said, I got, I made one cent from my two books and I got a $25 bonus. Somebody else got $140 and had made $5 in the program. So, I mean, the bonuses are certainly substantially more, but I don't know how that compares necessarily to what somebody would have made um, off of a sale of a book, for Mm -hmm. example, or, um, you know, what I guess, I don't know. So I don't know. Yeah. So hopefully Amazon is putting it in writing, at least for the authors. Like we're, we do not have to require them to tell us how they're paying the authors. But what it seemed like was that the authors didn't know how they were being paid. Yeah. So couldn't, wouldn't it be nice if we could though? Could we, is there a way we could require them to tell us Jess? I'd like to know. That would be great. I mean, like be as transparent as possible. How, how powerful is this podcast? Can we, force, uh, can we force Amazon into telling us all of the things? Probably not yet, but not yet. who knows? Maybe by episode, you know, 15 or 20, we'll, um, we will be a force to be reckoned with. We'll see. You know what another thing I was thinking about as far as just the whole makeup of the this particular subscription service So the big thing that they announced when they first announced, like, oh, we have a new romance-based thing and you can get to the good parts and all of that, was that they had all of these books that you could only access through this service that were narrated by big-name actors. Oh, interesting. So, you know, this is another thing that it would be great if you guys were transparent about, but we get it. We can just speculate all we want to. Um... How much of the pot that is not going to the authors went to paying the actors as narrators? Oh, that's a really interesting question. I have no idea, and I have seen nothing saying anything of that online. So we'll just leave that question in the ether and just think about it. I don't know. Yeah. Or we'll just think about it until we reach the uh, tipping point where we're powerful enough to be able to force Amazon to tell us everything. Yes, tell us everything. And then then we'll be able to have all the answers. <laughs> we like having answers. Exactly. It's how we roll. Um, so anyway, yeah, I guess that is, um, that's the story of that. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it and continue to watch. But it's, um, again, it's one of those things where it seems like uh, audible romance is a thing that potentially could be really great for readers. Mm-hmm. It could be really great for Audible. Mm-hmm. It is not seeming to be super great for authors. So let's see how all of that shakes out. Do better. Yes. Yeah. Do better, everyone. We want this to succeed. Yes. Yeah. Maybe if we just say it, we'll we'll see. <laughs> Making change one podcast at a time. One podcast at a time. Oh, man. All right. Should we talk about our other sponsor, Jess? We shall. This one's one's in my wheelhouse, but you're talking about it, so um, I'm excited to listen. Well, this is is close to my wheelhouse, too. Um, Thank you to Terry Osborne and Falling Star, a Shooting Stars novel, um, for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, Falling Star is the second book in the Shooting Stars series, um, and the first one, Rising Star, is available for you to read anytime you want. But Falling Star um, is is one of my um, catnips. It's about a country star looking for a comeback, um, and he's got, you know, his goals but also the goals of our heroine, Naomi, who is a fixer by nature. Um, She's a PR manager for the record label that Chance, our hero, is recording for. And he is a country music bad boy who needs a better look. Um, And it looks like one of my catnips, Forced Proximity, 
is a big feature in this novel. So I'm pretty excited. I love, you know, stars and people who are not stars coming together. So we've got that and forced proximity with some possible hurt comfort stuff going on and a second chance romance. So there's all the things in this novel. Forced proximity is a is a theme that we don't talk enough about, but I that's a that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's I love it. It's so great. It's like you know, elevators, injuries, accidental engagements, mm-hmm. snowstorms, blackouts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I like it. All right. So thank you once again to Falling Star, a Shooting Stars novel, which will be available on March 27th, um, which I believe is the day after the initial release of this episode. Oh, yeah. So hop on over. Yeah, I will be honest. When I saw this in our um, in our show note, uh, our, our list of sponsors, I immediately went to go check out the first book in the series. Mm-hmm. So um, if you need something to do in the 24 hours between when... Um, the new book Falling Star comes out, and when the old one, or the and the, when the when the podcast comes out and the new book comes out, feel free to check out the first one as well. It's right there, just like I did. I'll, <laughs> I'll feel um, you'll, you'll be in in whatever kind of company I am, good, medium, yeah. irresponsible. Who Pretty knows? Pretty awesome, Trisha. So, oh, thanks. So thanks, yeah. Jazz. Be an awesome company. Excellent. All right. Um, okay. So. We have been talking a couple of, I feel like the last couple of episodes, self-publishing and indie publishing has come up in one way or another. And so um, we figured maybe it was time to kind of dig deep, talk a little bit about self-publishing and why it's a little bit different in romance and why it's especially cool in romance, mm-hmm. and um, but why it's also really hard and what some of the misconceptions are. So... I don't know. Are you ready, Jess? Ready to, to educate all of the people? I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Let's do this. Let's go. Um, so, I mean, I think I will start by saying that, you know, there's there's a... I, so, I use the terms self-publishing and indie publishing um, synonymously. I think most authors do as well. I don't think mm-hmm. there's a distinction there. Um, and there's a specific reputation around folks who are publishing their own books, um, around what the quality of those books are, or what the, you know... Uh, professionalism of the writers or whoever are involved. And I, you know, there are a lot of really not great self-published books out there, but there are a lot of really good self-published books. And especially in romance, Mm -hmm. um, the romance genre is kind of uniquely built in a way for self-published and um, indie published authors to really thrive there in under certain circumstances. Certainly not everyone, um, but a lot of them really do. I was at um, the Romantic Times convention last year, and uh, Mark Coker, who's the um, head of Smashwords, which is a distributor of ebooks, he, the last few years at least, has released their annual Smashwords survey, um, which is facts and figures kind of on the financial payoffs for e publishing or for self-publishing rather um he they release it at rt because so many of the books that they work with as an um indie distributor are romance Mm -hmm. so rt being the romantic times convention i don't know if i said that um but anyway so for example of their top 200 titles 73 percent were romance um and he did mention uh they often get criticism from men for not doing more to support uh non-romance authors Mm -hmm. uh he he chuckled a little he didn't seem too too worked up about that um but you know he mentioned some of the reasons that romance tends to dominate is that um romance authors are incredibly innovative incredibly sophisticated very well organized um partly because they have to be you know for some of the reasons that we've talked about before Mm -hmm. um they're fighting an uphill battle based you know because of some of the stereotypes of the genre um and because of that they tend to be early adapters of new um media and new ways of doing things including Mm -hmm. self-publishing and a big part of, and obviously, as we mentioned before, there are a lot of readers who are reading a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the other points that he made that I thought was really interesting and that, you know, we've actually already kind of talked to a little bit um, on this podcast is that there's a huge collaborative community 
in mm-hmm. romance and in terms of how the romance writers seem to work. So RWA, um, the Romance Writers uh, Association, is a big part of that. But just generally, you see a lot of romance authors sort of working to help each other out and working together to figure out what the best ways are to make things work. And so although you are self-publishing or independently publishing, you're not necessarily doing it by yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, those are some of the, I think those are some of the reasons why romance tends to be in a little bit of a unique situation as self-publishing and indie publishing goes. I don't know if, did I miss anything? Maybe, maybe not. That's, I mean, that's the, the, the base, the basic, basic, um, I can't speak this morning. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the basic thing. And then there's also the fact, the, the, the way that there are voracious romance readers, there are romance authors everywhere and they can't always get the books that they are writing to publishers that are looking for something completely different. And sometimes, um, as we've seen, there are authors who publish with traditional publishers who decide to go in a different direction that their publishers kind of aren't interested in. And they decided decide to pursue either side by side or completely separately um, self-publishing, which, I mean, has been great for me because some of the authors that I love to read um, started out in traditional publishing and then were like, I'm writing this thing and I'm just going to do it on my own. (laughs) Yeah. And I think um, it's, you know, technology allows for the actual process of uploading a book to be very, very easy. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, there are a lot of, I also, that's at the same conference last year, I attended um, a panel as well uh, from a bunch of authors who had done both, who had both traditionally published and had self-published. And they were talking about some of the things that you don't, I would not have thought about that you have to do if you are a self-published author. So Mm -hmm. you are, um, you know, you are doing your own audiobook narration, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You have to figure out your own covers. So whether you find um, a an image that's available on a stock site or um, have someone design something specifically for your book. Um, you know, that's a, a big part of it. It's a lot of work. You do your own marketing. You do your own... Um, someone mentioned that signings are really difficult because you have to haul all of your own books. Mm-hmm. You're like you do your either own shipping sales. them or... Yeah, exactly. Um, but at the same time, you know, it offers a, a level of freedom Um, One of the authors uh, who was speaking on the panel mentioned that her publisher in one of the books that she had um, published had not given her a page count, but then apparently she was over a page count that she didn't realize. And so they cut like 60 pages from her book without talking to her about it. Oh, man. Um, Yeah. Somebody else mentioned, you know, that they had never heard the audiobook of their book until it was released. They had no sort of say or no control over that. Another thing that was I thought was really interesting was folks talking about frustration around release dates, mm-hmm. right? So if your book is coming out, you know, on New Year's Eve or on the same day as Nora Roberts' book <laughs> or, you know, like, they're, you know, it's it, those things matter. And if you're working with a traditional publisher, you don't actually have a lot of that same kind of um, control. control. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think... Then a lot of that, of course, depends on what publisher you're working with. There's There are some differences, too. And, you know, um, Jess and I were swapping links back and forth. Um, Courtney Milan has written about this. Um, uh, Penny Reed, uh, who has only ever been, she, she's only ever published her own books, has written about this. There's a difference, too, I think, and I don't know what your thoughts are, Jess, for authors who are have been published traditionally and decide to switch mm-hmm. versus folks who are just, have only ever done their own traditional, or their own, sorry, their own self-published work. Mm-hmm. And then there are those authors who are um, going back and republishing their self-published work because now they're in traditional publishing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of complicated. I guess I'm not... I don't know, and I don't know if you would have a sense for this. I'm not sure how that works. You know, if you're a self-published author and a publishing house says, oh, hey, uh, 
Fifty Shades of Grey seems to be doing really well. We will publish it with you and for you. I don't know a lot about how the dynamic of that then works, right? You Mm -hmm. know, because obviously you probably aren't getting an advance in the same traditional way, although maybe you are. I don't know. Yeah. I would, I would hope there is at least that because then, you know, you're get you're going through an editor and proofreader and copy editor. You might be getting a new title. Like I remember long, long ago, I read a book called The Bar Sinister and it was a Pride and Prejudice sequel. And there, you know, there, it was very, very good, but there were some interesting things about it. Like Elizabeth's name was spelled with an S and little, little things like that. And then I came back maybe five years later and there was this book called Mr. Darcy Takes a Wife that had a very interesting plot. And I was pretty sure that I had read that plot before and I went and looked it up and it was the bar sinister, but it had been redone, re-edited, picked up by a publishing house, and then had more books after that. So it was just kind of like one of those where it was like, wow, if you, you can take a book that's that was published independently and give it a new face and gain even more of an audience. So I don't know. Publishers. That's super interesting. <laughs> find yeah. some find some stuff that people like. <laughs> that is so interesting. I wow, that's super interesting. <laughs> um, I wonder. Yeah. Well, and I think you know one of the things that can be a little tricky. So I think it, it's it certainly is worth mentioning that um, a lot of the folks who are self publishing are doing it because they have not been able to get a publishing deal, mm-hmm. um, and because of some of the. Um, you know, bias and, frankly, racism in book publishing generally, that means that a lot of the, um, you know, romance authors that are self-publishing are women of color or writers Mm -hmm. of color. Um, And I, one of the things that is difficult for me as a, you know, someone who reads and kind of, you know, reviews and talks about books and whatever, is that it can be really difficult if I want to make sure that I'm doing a good job of being you know, inclusive and making sure that I, I'm reading a whole variety of books and by all kinds of different people and reading all kinds of different stories. Mm-hmm. It is more difficult to find the self-published authors, it right? Is. Because we get, I mean, I'm sure you do as well. We get emails every day from different publishing houses saying, hey, would you like to read this book? Are you interested in this? Let mm-hmm. me tell you more about this. Um, and it's great. I mean, it's, it's super easy that I can just reply and say, yes, please. And a book shows up at my, you know, building. So that's great. But then it does mean, I think, that a lot of the coverage probably of books tends to skew toward traditionally published books. Mm -hmm. And then the sort of more sinister part of that means that they tend to skew towards books about white heterosexual, you know, couples who are cisgendered, right? It's, it's, that's complicated. And as I still have not, I've been trying to figure out for the last couple of years as a reviewer and and a person who writes and talks about books, how to overcome that so that I have better knowledge and better understanding of what's going on um, with self-published authors. And I haven't been able to figure it out yet. Yeah. And then, you know, there are the, the big name SPs, like I pulled that from fandom, you know, there's the big name fans, um, but there's a big name, big name self-publishers like Penny Reed, like Rebecca Weatherspoon, like Courtney Milan, who, you know, we talk about a lot because we like their books and we follow those authors to make sure we know when their next books are coming out. Like Courtney Milan just, just told us that there's a, an actual release date for her next book that people have been sort of clamoring for. And since she self-publishes, she has control over that and can say, I finally got it just right. I'm ready Mm -hmm. to actually talk about it and give you this book, Um, which is great. But then otherwise, you know, you're scouring the the various sections of Amazon just looking for books that were published by Amazon or wandering through Smashwords's website just sort of mm-hmm. but they don't come to you you have to go to them which is often a problem because the it, at least for Trisha and I there are so many books that are coming at us yeah so yeah. we have to we all should make more of an effort to sort of go to those. Um, and then we have to 
get over ourselves with some things. I have read some really good self-published books with terrible covers. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like like Trisha said, you know, it's you have to pay to publish your book and you have to either create your own cover, find somebody who is not super expensive who will design a cover for you, or use free stock photos to put something together to be on the front of your book. And we know that, you know, you're trying as hard as you can to put something there, but it's not going to be the same as the ones that have, excuse me, that have, you know, complete departments working on book covers. So getting past that barrier is, I mean, sometimes it's like, oh God, but that sounds like a great book. Let me read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and there are folks who are really good at it. I mean, I mm-hmm. think there are people who, you know, one of the things, and we'll link to, um, Courtney Milan talks a little bit about, the, well, she talks a lot about a lot of things um, in a very long post that she did once um, about. It's a great post though. <laughs> yeah. For authors. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting um, for authors who are, um, considering moving from traditional publishing into indie publishing. And one of the things that she talks about is that you need a variety of different skills Mm -hmm. because you have to be all of the things, right? Like you have Mm -hmm. to be the person who's doing the management and the promotion and the um, marketing and the cover design and the editing and the, all of the things. And, you know, some people are actually really great at cover design. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, so it's for some folks, that's going to be a thing that's a little bit, easier but you're right there are others where you have to yeah you can't judge the book by its cover i guess literally this time guys exactly yeah (laughs) this is a literal example of not judging a book by its cover Mm -hmm. um but yeah i you know i think as you mentioned some of my favorite authors are um indie published authors um and i'm continuing to figure out i think how to find more and more of them but if anyone out in the world has more suggestions or favorites of theirs uh, I would love to hear about it. Awesome. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and we actually have a couple of recommendations uh, for you uh, related to indie publishing. Um, do you want to do those now, Jess, or do you want to talk briefly about Crimson and do all of the recommendations at once? Um, why, don't, why don't we do the, the latter? Because then we can just, like, say our final bit of sadness and then just talk about happy things for the rest oh, of this podcast. I think that's great. Um, do you want to talk about our sadness, our, our sad news related to Crimson? Our sad news related to Crimson. So, last podcast, Crimson Romance was one of the highlights of our discussion about the Ripped Bodice's Diversity and Romance Report, they had a very high double-digit number of um, per- for percentage of books published by authors of color. And last week, Simon & Schuster announced that they would be closing Crimson's doors. And, you know, there isn't a big... There wasn't a big staff at Crimson. I think it was three or four people... Um, but they supported a lot of authors and um, the the books that have already been released will remain in Simon & Schuster's sort of um, pile. So you can still get those. But any books that were on contract or even that were recently submitted are are just not happening. And that was another great thing about Crimson Romance. They had an open submission service. You could, they, there was a place on their website that was just like, did you write a book? Submit it to us. We'll edit it. We'll publish it. Um, and we've lost one of those things. That was an alternative for people who um, maybe didn't have the resources to self-publish, but couldn't go the route for whatever reason of going through an agent. So that it was, it was a big loss. Like I've been thinking more and more about it for the past week and it's just like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is very unfortunate. And it's, I think this is, um, we've had a few different examples in the last, definitely in the last month, but certainly in the last year of an opportunity, a big giant 
window of opportunity for other publishers to kind of swoop in and um, recruit some of the really great authors who are writing, whether it's for Crimson or Kamani or um, maybe Riptide. We don't know. That's kind of a, a mess right there. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to see more, frankly, from um, some of the publishing houses related to just some outreach around, hey, if you are a Crimson writer who you know, is now without a publishing home, here's how you could submit to us. Here are some things that we're looking for. You know, maybe some uh, individualized kind of outreach for different authors. Um, I've got one that I'll be telling you about in a minute. I think you should all be probably clamoring to pick up on uh, as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, on whatever day this is, Monday. Today is Monday. If you're listening, whatever day you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> be outreaching to all of these fantastic authors um, who are not... Uh, maybe going to be housed with a traditional publishing house anymore. Some of them might decide that they would rather indie publish, as we just discussed. There are some advantages to that. Mm-hmm. But um, it would be better, I think, for everybody if that was their own decision as opposed to one that was forced upon them. Right, right. And the most interesting thing about this is um, Simon & Schuster said that the closing was related to changing consumer reading habits and the continual evolution of the marketplace. I don't know what changed about consumer reading habits, but I I don't understand that because those are just words. Those, those are, are just <laughs> they just put those words just to get like they just used a word generator and used put the words together and then hit submit on their statement. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't that, buy that. that was like what en- enough people weren't buying it for. I don't know. Um, one thing I did notice was that Crimson has been focusing more on a lot of. Uh, bundles and mm-hmm. i i know personally as a reader i buy fewer bundles even at a low cost because that's just too much pressure um on me as a reader to read all of that um but <laughs> it's intimidating the bundles are very intimidating <laughs> the bundles are very intimidating but i i don't see anything else that they were doing differently from other publishers. So I'm waiting for a longer statement. Um, But everything that was supposed to be published up through April 1st is still going to be published by Crimson. um, And everything else will be held in Simon & Schuster's kitty um, until they see fit to release them. Well... I mean, I think it would be a fitting uh, farewell to um, Crimson to talk a little bit about some of our favorite books from there and some of our favorite authors. Should we? Shall we do that? Shall we shift into our our happier times, Jess? Let's shift into our happier times. We like those. Excellent. Um, well, I will start, um, and I, the author I think everybody should be going out to to try to find and sign uh, ASAP is Ruby Lang. Mm-hmm. Um, her yeah, her series uh, the series I think is called um, Practice Perfect, and the first book is called Acute Reaction. Um, it's a series about three uh, women who are doctors, and they um, all encounter in different ways um, gentlemen uh, who obviously fall madly in love with them. Um, <laughs> one of the things, so actually the first one, uh, Acute Reaction, is great because the Ian, um, who is the hero, and so he's going to uh, see Petra, who is an allergist, because he wants to have um, a potentially better relationship with his girlfriend. So he has a different <laughs> girlfriend, but she has a cat and he's super allergic. So he's like trying to get these allergy shots so that he can, I mean, the girlfriend is like, they're not. They're not a great match. We know that from the beginning. Obviously, it's not going to work out. But um, but it's kind of a funny like meet cute in that he's actually going to see this allergist because uh, he is trying to improve his relationship with his girlfriend. And the other thing that I really like about um, this book and and the series is that it's one of the things that I really like um, to find in romance. And I think I've talked about this before. Is that you know Petra in particular is a professional woman who is really good at her job but still struggling. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that there's, oftentimes we think there's either, like, someone who's crushing it, like, kicking butt and taking names and, like, not, you know, it's perfect, like, 
perfect at their job and has no professional trouble and only has trouble finding, you know, love. Um, but I, I think this is a great example of a, a story where that's a lot more relatable in that there are a lot of things that Petra's really good at, but she's having a hard time building her practice because mm-hmm. there are also some things that she's not great at. So anyway, that's I would check out um, Acute Reactions, and then you'll probably end up buying the entire series. Uh, and I did. probably Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> See, that was a bundle that was less intimidating. So look at that. <laughs> there you go. Uh-huh. Um, so anyway, check that out. It's a great series. And, um, hopefully by, you know, the April 1st, Ruby Lang will have been signed by somebody else if that is what she wants to do with her life, because she's a great author, um, who would be a great addition to anybody's, you know, stable of, of authors. Absolutely. So this, um, book that I read at some point last year is, perfect for the upcoming baseball season um because it's well it's about a baseball player so boom um it is well that'll do it yeah <laughs> crazy for you by rena gray um and it's the first book in her collection of three books um and it's got another one of my favorite things, which is a fake relationship. Um, nice. So we've got a baseball hotshot who um, has a bad reputation because that's the thing that always forces people into fake relationships um, mm-hmm. with darling women who have horrible body issues. Um, content warning for that. It's, it, it can get in your head if you also have similar body issues. Um, mm-hmm. So, but of course he doesn't see that. He just, you know, sees this gorgeous woman and it was like, I want to know you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, they, they have a, an interesting developing relationship as they are semi forced into this fake relationship so that, um, Jake can continue on the deal that he's trying to get from sponsors. Um, So it's quite the novel and has all kinds of things happening between um, personal development and uh, like learning to enjoy who you are and be with other people. And there are also a few other tropes that I won't mention because you just have to find them. But when you do find them, if you like those tropes, you will know and continue reading happily. Um, If you don't like those tropes, I'm sorry. Um, You know who you are. Uh, (laughs) But... You know, it's it's one of those novels that, you know, you dive into and uh, suddenly a couple hours later, you're like, where's the next one? Um, so, yes, Crazy for You by Rena Gray. And I have a bonus recommendation from Crimson for anyone who is already feeling the lack of Olympics blues. Um, oh. It came out right before the Olympics, and it was perfect. And I was like, I'm going to read this right now. Um, it's called Metal Up, and like metal, like the thing that you wear around your neck when you win. Um, okay. And it is a duology. So you get two stories for the price of one. Um, and the first one is about a snowboarder who used to be a figure skater and a, um, a women's figure skater. And it's about, you know, them fighting their attraction. That's actually the name of the of the novella. And um, also both of them sort of figuring out their own lives. She's got an overbearing mother coach who she has to like break away from and he really loves snowboarding but there was some other stuff um that caused him to leave figure skating as a teenager that he has to get over so that's always fun and then of course they're you know falling in love in the olympic village so well sure that there's always that um and the second novella is about a pairs couple who you know, they spend a lot of time together, but he's really quiet and distant and she doesn't know why. She just wants to be friends. Um, but, you know, there's that undercurrent of feelings 
So. Well, sure. Again, that'll happen. The undercurrent of feelings is very real. <laughs> so if you um, are feeling like um, reading about a couple who dance on the ice and in other places, check that one out, too. And who is that by, Jess? The first is by Nicole Flockton, and the second is by Fiona Marsden. And I think they're both um, actually Australian or Oceanic authors. Um, Okay. I think we'll do a couple of quick uh, indie author picks as well, and then we can wrap things up. Awesome. Does that work? All right. So mine are actually both um, authors that we've mentioned before. And one of them is a book I've mentioned before, but it was in the context of uh, what a good movie it would make. So now I'm going to talk more about what a good book it is. (laughs) Um, So Phyllis Bourne is one of my very favorite uh, self-published authors. She's written for um, uh, other, I think mostly Harlequin. And I think, um, I don't know exactly which line. I think maybe some Kamani, maybe some others. But mm-hmm. anyway, she's she has self-published uh, two books so far. I think we're going to get a third, but I'm not sure. No pressure, Phyllis Bourne. Um, so the first uh, book that I did mention, uh, what a great romantic comedy it would make, is called Between a Rock and a Hot Mess. And the <laughs> second book is called Between a Honeymoon and a Hot Mess. Um, and it's two sisters who uh, are both navigating different kinds of romantic relationships. And what made me think that... Uh, I really wanted to make sure that this was the book or these were the books that I recommended today was that yesterday or the day before um, Chrissy Teigen was tweeting about how there are not enough rom-coms out in the world Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of movies. She was talking about movies, but I assume Chrissy Teigen listens to this podcast. So I just thought I would tell her she could just read these books instead um, because they are very much in the zany, like rom-com sort of feel that I love so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would definitely, and they're, you know, the both sisters are, they're super different, but they have a great like a very fun relationship dynamic to watch between each other. Um, it's just, like I said, they're very fun. They read like you are watching a movie. So um, Chrissy Teigen and all the rest of you can check out Between a Rock and a Hot Mess and then Between a Honeymoon and a Hot Mess by Phyllis Bourne. Mm-hmm. The other book that I was going to mention, I because I um, have a bonus pick for this category, um, or this, it's more of a series. I would recommend the whole series, the, the Rugby series by Penny Reed and L.H. Causeway. Uh-huh. Um, we got asked about sports romances, um, uh, on a separate channel over over the last week. And this is one of my favorite sports romance series. The first book is called The Hooker and the Hermit, and it's great. I actually like The Player and the Pixie, which is the second book, even better, partly just because the setup of it is great. So Sean, the hero, is really bad at sex. <laughs> and he knows he's really bad at sex, but he can't figure out how to get better at sex. Um, so he ends up... Uh, the heroine is um, the sister of, of a enemy of his who is also a teammate, a teammate slash enemy. Um, and so he ends up um, helping her with a problem that she has in the hopes that she can also help him with this problem that he has. Uh, so it's just kind of a, a great, you know, um, again, a wonderful rom-com series um, for Chrissy Teigen and all of the other people out in the world who are looking for romantic comedies. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I I am going to actually make a recommendation um, for one of our uh, big name self-publishers. Um, and that is Sanctuary by Rebecca Weatherspoon. It's the second in a series. Um, so if you haven't read Haven, go ahead and read it. It's pretty great. But tell people what the name of the series is, Jess. Beards and Bondage. I know. I love that. I think it's the best. <laughs> it's so great. Um, but you can read Sanctuary on its own, and then you'll want to go read Haven. So, um, yeah. But this is um, a book that came out in September, and I happened to be in L.A. when it came out. So it's like, I'm just going to go in the rare bodies and buy it. Um and they didn't have it yet, but, <laughs> but they were like, just where, you know, it's coming, just order it online and we'll send it to you. And Rebecca happened to be there and she was like, and you know, make sure I'll, I'll sign it. And I was like, oh, that's great. I love you. Bye. Um, Yay. But anyway, the book, when she was in the process of writing slash promoting Sanctuary and said, um, farmer Jason Momoa with five dogs. I was yep. ready. I mm-hmm. was 
ready. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sold. Sold. Very much sold. Um, And, you know, bearded person because beards and bondage. Um, But what really sold the book for me uh, halfway through it was the the sentence, I would love for you to dominate me, said by farmer Jason Momoa with five dogs. So what you're going to find out is that the heroine who is now um, in corporate law in New York once worked as a sex worker uh, focusing on being a dominatrix. So she is the bondage expert in this particular novel. And yeah, so there's that. And I'll I'll give you a little bit of the plot so you're not just like, so what's going on? Um, She is in corporate law and has been threatened. Um, Her life has been threatened. And she actually had quite an interesting encounter with um, someone who broke into her apartment and her co-worker's twin brother um, lives in upstate New York and he sort of... um, drops her off and says, I'll figure out what's happening. You'll hear from me soon. So she's stuck on this farm. She's got all of her work with her. Um, so she's sort of doing her own thing. And farmer Jason Momoa, whose name is Silas, um, is doing his <laughs> own thing. But they have to pretend to be in a relationship because this is a farm with lots of working people and they see a random strange woman wandering around. They're going to ask what happens. So he's like, this is my girlfriend. We met online and she came to visit. So, so forced proximity and a fake relationship. Uh (laughs) This is like, this might be the only book you ever read again, Jess. It might just over and over again. I might just go get it now. (laughs) <laughs> and just start from the beginning. Um, and you'll, I mean, there's some things that you'll notice occasionally with self-published books. If you're like me, you might be fixing typos in your head while you're reading or notice that there's a weird like thing that didn't get fixed through the last read through where there's like a paragraph jump or something. And that happens with self-published books because there aren't 50 people reading it after the author. So the author is going to proofread it. They might have their own editor who's going to proofread it, but some things might get missed. They get missed in published books. Who was talking about, um, oh, I think it was Tessa Dare who published a book that had um, sow his wild oats, but instead of sow like farm sowing, it was sow like thread sowing. And that Mm -hmm. had made it all the way through to publication. So Mm -hmm. it's not just self-publishers who have typos. It's Um, true. But anyway, so (laughs) that's the the big name self-publishing book that I want you all to read. Um, And just another author who... Um, well, a couple authors that I want you to check out based on what you like. If you like shorter books or longer books, whether you like long, drawn-out things or things that are a little faster, um, that are two authors that I really enjoy. The first is Holly Trent. If you um, read kissing books, you know that I was really curious about a book that had a bare-chested guy with a Stetson on that didn't seem like it needed to because it was about baseball players um, called One in Waiting. And um, I discovered why the guy had a Stetson on instead of a baseball hat. But anyway, that book is great and her books are great. So, and she's got lots of them. So explore her. And the other author, um, if you like really long drawn out slow burns but you know lots of pages of that slow burn is mariana zapata because everything i've read by her has been like i want to strangle you but you are so great kind of writing so check out both of those authors and then just start exploring um there are so many so so many that you can try out um because it's a whole new world. It's true. And we um, would love to hear what you are finding. And so please uh, let us know. Feel free to 
to send us a note on Twitter, on Instagram. I actually have a request. If you are listening to this podcast and reading romance and you are posting a, an Instagram pic of something that you are reading that is romance, can you please hashtag it when in romance? Here's why. It's not actually even about promoting this podcast, although great if you can. <laughs> I have hashtagged a couple of things when in romance now, and there's only like nine things that have ever been tagged that. Two of them are mine, and the rest of them are like randos on vacation, like their romantic vacations. Oh, I don't we know. have to fix That's this. fine, right? I mean, good for them. That's fine. But I kind of feel like I would like for us as a group to just reclaim that hashtag away Let's from people on their honeymoons or whatever they're doing. Again, <laughs> good for them. I hope that's nice. But I want that hashtag. So if you could uh, help us reclaim it, I'm going to start following it. And then um, we can, even if we can just have more, more of our posts than of the vacation posts, I think that would be great. That would be great. Uh, yeah. So hashtag uh, your romance reading at hashtag when in romance. Um, let us know what indie authors you like and what crimson authors you like. Um, anything else we want to hear from folks this week, Jess? Anything you want to tell us that is in within our purview. Um, I mean, you can tell us other things too. We'd be happy to hear it. But just, you know, tell us what you'd like to hear from us. Like like Trisha said, um, we heard through other channels, someone who is interested in sports romance. Mariana Zapata has sports romance and Holly Trent does too. So check those out. And actually, the second book um, in the series that I recommended um, by Ruby Lang is focused on um, injuries in, I think it's hockey. I can't. I th- hockey. Uh, yeah, it's hockey, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, there's a hockey player and a, <laughs> you know, so anyway, so that's, yeah, we actually accidentally recommended a bunch of sports romance today. Totally. Uh, all right. Well, we will. All the links are in the full show notes that are available on bookriot.com. So feel free to check those out. Sign up for kissing books. Tell us what you're thinking about and reading. And I guess we'll talk to you next time. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening. Have a great couple weeks. Happy reading, everybody. Happy reading. <laughs>